Hello, my name is Janice B. Gordon. This is Scale Your Sales Podcast. Welcome to the Scale Your Sales Podcast, listed number nine of 42 best podcasts for every sales professional in 2021. I am Janice B. Gordon, the customer growth expert, recommended by LinkedIn as one of 15 innovative sales influencers to follow in 2021. In today's episode, my guest talks about the importance of customer journey maps and why B2B companies must think more like B2C and constantly innovate the customer's experience. My next guest is CEO of Experience Investigators, a certified customer experience professional, a LinkedIn learning instructor, and a TEDx speaker. Hello, and welcome to Scale Your Sales podcast, Jeannie Walters. Welcome to Scale Your Sales podcast, Jeannie Walters. Oh, thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here, Janice. Thanks for having me. Well, it's great to have you on. I really want to learn from all of your expertise in uh, customer experience, because this is an area that I focus on deeply uh, uh, with sales. Mm-hmm. I don't believe, and I'm sure you're the same, that you can sell really well without being aware of your buyer and you know creating great experience. So tell me about how to uh, create fewer ruined days for customers because I know that this is a real big tagline of yours explain Mm -hmm. that to me yeah that's actually the mission of our company to create fewer ruined days for customers and the reason that's our mission is because I think a lot of times in customer experience we talk about big moments we talk about always needing to wow the customer and really we just need to not ruin their day we need to make their day a little bit better and so when we focus on that, that means that we have a radar. We, we use a lens to really understand the customer's perspective, to really understand their expectations and their needs in the moment and also their real lives. Uh, sometimes we get so obsessed with our own brands that we think our customers are just as obsessed. <laughs> and really, they're just trying to get something done. They're trying to maybe have an experience. They're trying to achieve a goal. And so as long as we can help them do that in the most effortless, delightful way possible, then we're going to win more customers. We're going to make sure that we keep the customers we have. So that's why that's our mission. And that's kind of how we look at it. How can we really understand our customers and their real lives, not just how they interact with our brand? And I think it's interesting, the terminology that you use, ruined days, it's really buying into What is the impact that you have Mm -hmm. and really focusing on what that means to the customer? That's right. That's right. And I think when, when I think about that, I mean, the whole reason this came up was because somebody asked me, why are you so passionate about this? Like, what a weird thing. (laughs) And I thought about it and I was like, you know, if we do this well, if we deliver for customers well, then we do create a better world. We create a better world by not in, you know, not including a moment of negativity in their day. And that moment of negativity usually gets carried forward. And so if somebody has a bad experience with your brand, they then take that negativity, they 
they feel bad, they have a rotten day, they bring that to the next interaction that they have, and they kind of spread that negativity throughout. But if we can create more positive moments, then we can actually create a more positive world. And I get a little lofty about this, but it's because I really believe it. I think we all have the opportunity here to create better days for people. And and what a gift, what an opportunity that is so that we can create this world of positivity instead of one of ruined days. And that's exactly how I see sales. I think it is an incredible opportunity. Mm -hmm. It's almost like being able to gift to people, to really serve, Mm -hmm. really serve people and, and help them to move forward. Not we're not, and I don't really focus on the sale. I'm really um, conscious of a lot of these masculine words that we use about crushing mm-hmm. targets, hunter. And I've talked a lot about this on, on the podcast. Whereas actually, if you're talking about serving, it's really seeing the customer as a real person mm-hmm. and really understanding the impact that you can have. But if you look at it, as you say, from a positive point of view, that is massive. That's a real gift and an honor. Well, and I I think what you're pointing out too, is that when we, the easiest sales to make are the ones that we just totally believe in, right? Like when we're like, we know this will help you. We know this will help you get your goals and achieve what you need to achieve. That's service. That's helping somebody, you know, come along with you. And I think the best example of that are when you have customer evangelists, right? When you have people on who are your customers, who are basically a voluntary sales force for you, because they're going out and saying, Hey friend, Hey colleague, you need this in your life because they believe in it so much. And that is service. That's about helping somebody achieve something. And I think that's a really um, great, great thing to do for one another too. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about the industry, the B2B industry and the way that may have shifted. Um, And especially in light of the the pandemic, there's been a massive, a seismic shift Mm -hmm. uh, to a certain extent. So how do we create the emphasis on the the buyer and the being customer centric? How do we create that customer success? Yeah, you know, I think I... I hope this is not news to anybody, but B2B is always a little behind B2C when it comes to this. And so when we talk about customer experience in B2B, a lot of times they say things like, oh, that doesn't really apply to us. Or, you know, our our clients are these big businesses. There are these big organizations. And so it's different. And while, yes, it's different, I like to drill down further and think about who is the individual that you're serving. And in B2B, it can be very complex, right? You have a buyer who maybe never interacts with your product. And then you have the people who interact with your product way down the line. And so it takes some understanding of that. But the what the pandemic did, I think, was first of all, it forced innovation in ways that we weren't seeing before. And what I mean by that is there was this kind of acceptance of this is how we do things. This is what it, it's always been like. Um, especially when it came to things like in manufacturing, well, we invite them into the factory and we show them this, and this is how it works. But when all of a sudden we couldn't invite people into the factory, how can we innovate around that? And I saw some amazing innovation around things like using uh, virtual reality, augmented reality, even just video conferencing of somebody walking through the factory, uh, that we have all these different ways to serve people that we just hadn't plugged into. So that was one thing. 
The other thing that I think we're all aware of now around the world is first of all, how we're all connected and the supply chain disruptions. Like we really understand how that impacts our world now in a way that I think B2B folks maybe understood, but weren't always transparent about, weren't always communicating about. And now we realize we have to set expectations differently with our customers. We have to make sure that we are being transparent and authentic about our reality and our ecosystem, because it really does take an entire experience ecosystem to deliver for the customer. And we need to make sure that we are sharing that information. We are preparing for the worst, hoping for the best, but also communicating along the way to customers. And that's something that I'm seeing more and more as well. And I hope that that level of visibility and transparency continues. And I think it's interesting what you've said about the transparency and communicating to your your customers as individuals is very B2C, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. very B2C. And it's quite hard for B2B to make that switch to actually see B2B is not about you know, an organization, it's about individuals within the organizations mm-hmm. and how you communicate with them as individuals and using emotions and vulnerability because yes. we're there after all, they're people, they yeah. have problems like anyone else. And uh, I think it's quite a hard shift for people to make. Mm-hmm. It is, it's very, um, you know, I think when I sometimes go in and, and do, let's say a customer journey mapping session, I'll say, okay, who's, who are we doing this for? Who's walking through this journey? And they'll say something like a a fortune 500 manufacturing company. And I'm like, that's not, we can't do that. That, you know, that's not actually who signs your contract. That's not actually who pays your bills. So let's talk about those people. And a lot of times what that means is you have to get layered about this. You have to understand nuance. You have to understand emotion, all those things that as business people, we have been trained not to think about sometimes. And if you look at a traditional business plan, it doesn't really talk about customer experience. It talks about how to find customers, how to get customers, and then it switches and it goes totally internal about operations. And so when we ask these business leaders to think outside of that kind of paradigm, it can be really, really challenging. And so sometimes what we have to do is just say, okay, let's come up with different words. Like your client is the organization. Great. Who are your customers within that client? And really get granular about that because, I mean, until the robots fully take over, humans are still the ones who we're interacting with as far as the ones making decisions. And so that's what we have to really zero in on. And every decision that we make is based in emotion. And so we have to acknowledge that too and say, what emotions are we creating here? And how can we continue on that journey with them? Because- I think the other shift that's been happening, not just with the pandemic, but before that is the pain of switching is not quite as high as it used to be, right? So we used to think in B2B like, oh, we got them. They're going to be with us for decades because it's such a pain to switch. Now there are all of these disruptions happening. And I like to say, be your own disruptor because there are, there are two people right now with a laptop planning your company's demise. (laughs) They are literally right now today. And if you look at all of the, um, the things that have happened in the last several years, they've all been experience-based. They have not been about products. 
they've not been about the way things always have been done. So if you're kind of stuck in that mode, I, you know, think about what would happen if your industry had a disruptor, it's up to you to be that disruptor because somebody else is already planning that. I think that's a really good visual to to give companies isn't it mm-hmm. and uh and helps to motivate the- <laughs> <laughs> I hope so <laughs> so talking about being a disruptor and talking about you know moving your your customers a- along the the journey how do you actually enable your buyers to buy how mm-hmm. do you continue to build those long-term trusted relationships well, that's where understanding our customers and understanding their journey is so, so important. And I think a lot of times we do spend a lot of time with figuring out how do we get those customers in the door? And we really understand those prospects. We really understand what it takes to get that customer. And then we kind of move on and we just hope for the best. And if we understand that, you know, that there could be things that happen on a time basis, meaning, you know, in six months, what's happening? Are they onboarded? Are they feeling good about their decision? If not, what are we, what can we do about it in that moment in a year, in 10 years, you know, if they've been with us for a long time, it's very easy to assume that they're doing fine. They feel good. And weirdly B2B is very personal, isn't it? Like we have these long-term relationships with individual people. So whether that's an account manager or a customer success manager or whoever, but Often we put those people in the position of finding out how the customer is feeling and the customer doesn't necessarily want to tell them because they're like, Hey, Janice, you and I go out to lunch. What? You know, I know your kids. This is great. I'm not going to tell you that we're shopping around because procurement is really giving me a hard time about your prices, right? Like they're not going to come out and tell us that. And so we need to really make sure that we have lots of ways for them to give us safe feedback, meaning anonymous, meaning that, uh, you know, different people involved, third parties, all of those different things, really understanding how can we ask for feedback in a way that's actionable, and then circling back and making sure we're closing the loop in ways with B2B that I think are super important. Because when you look at how, for instance, I'm a small company that works with very large companies, and I, I, laugh sometimes at what they make me fill out in order to work with them. Because I'm like, you clearly have no idea that what type of company I am. You know, they say, are you in a lead certified building? And I'm like, well, I work out of my house and I've got solar panels. (laughs) Does that count? I don't know. Um, And so I think that we have to look at that entire ecosystem and really understand that we're dealing with people and that we really have to check in with where are they on the journey? How can we make this easier for them? And how can we make it easier for them to really give us honest feedback along the way that we can act on? Because that's the part that can get really sticky in B2B. I'm always amazed when I I, um, work with B2Bs, how little they ask for feedback and mm-hmm. they don't have those feedback loops in place. That's and true. you're absolutely right. It's kind of, uh, uh, they sell and it gets passed over. It. But they never ask what happens. What happens next? Can you imagine? Yeah. You've yeah. done all of this work to create this story and you don't know the ending. And That's how right. can you not be interested? How can you not be invested in that? And you just hand it over. I think that um, 
And I don't know if you what your view is in the structure of sales, the way that we've structured sales organizations. To some extent, it's not really fit for purpose in the way that the buyers have moved on and what their preferences are. I don't know what your view may be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think that's a really um, good observation. I think that, you know, as we get more and more generations into the workplace, they have different preferences, right? About communication, about how to reach out, all of those things. And I think, you know, I get frustrated when I see that my only option is to call somebody, right? Like, and in B2B, that happens all the time, doesn't it? We still say like, problem with your invoice, call this department, leave a message. Maybe somebody will get back to you. We're not really sure. And I think that type of thinking, we really have to kind of um, blow out and think about what can we do to make this easier for our customers to give them options so that they can use their preferred method of communication. And, you know, like I was saying about the innovation, like there is so much we can do with AR and VR and artificial intelligence and all these amazing technologies now. And if we're not really focused on how can we use these things on behalf of our customers, then it's really easy to think like, oh, our customers are used to the way we do things. I mean, I think back to, and I'm aging myself here, but I think back to when I call it the big internet took over, right? Like when corporations started realizing they needed more than like brochureware on their, on their sites. And I had so many leaders of these organizations say, oh, our customers love coming in like to the bank. They said, oh, they love the tellers. They wouldn't want to go online. That's not our customer. And if you think like that, they won't be your customer because the next you know, offering will come along and they'll say that looks much better over there at the other bank. So I think we really have to think about what limitations are we putting our, on ourselves and our customers simply because we think, oh, that's, that's what they like. That's what they, they do. You know, this is just the way it's always been done. I think that's really, that's, that's a phrase I cannot stand when that is offered as a solution. Like, that is not a solution. That's a limitation. Yeah. I remember interviewing um, Brian Matimore on the, the podcast, Creative Thinker. And he was talking about how um, little investment you need nowadays to do research, to yeah. get that, that feedback, to pilot and trial things. And organizations are not tapping into this is a major competitive advantage and it speaks to what you're saying about being innovative being the disruptor and actually getting the research trialing and piloting and just seeing because things are moving so fast nowadays that you've got to have a mindset well let's try it and see we kind of don't know because it's all new. So let's try it and see. But actually, it's not, it doesn't involve a massive investment and time as it did in the past. Right. That's very right. And I, I think the other part there is that if we don't check in and figure out, you know, what our customers really need, then they might not know in this moment either. I mean, that's what happens in B2B. Sometimes they go, oh, it's fine, because they don't really know what the possibilities are. If we said to them, what if we did this, this, and this, I mean, you can really tell what direction to go in because you can tell which thing they get excited about and which thing they'll say, you know what, 
that would solve this problem for me. Um, any, anything that has to do right now with helping people, helping leaders manage, um, kind of the employment situation we're in where people are leaving and shifting and going all over the place. Um, anything we can do to reduce that effort for them, anything we can do to reduce the, uh, you know, the, the whole invoicing and paying process can be so painful in some of these places. And there are, there are teams of people who are just there to correct things. Like if you're there to correct things over and over and over, go back and figure out what's going wrong. And I think that's the other thing we don't often do in B2B is really think about, okay, this is a symptom of a bigger root cause problem. And let's solve that root cause instead of just dealing with the symptom today. And that's, we, we all have to be very holistic in this world and look at what, how do all of these things go together and how can we make it easier for our customer? Absolutely. Absolutely. You were talking about generation and mm-hmm. how that has had an impact. So I'm really interested to know about, you know, diversity in sales and how that may have, have had an in, impact if you feel it's progressed if we're really accommodating the diversity, the, the generations, you know, the, how are we going to continue to progress this going forward? Yeah, that's a big, huge question, isn't it? I think, you know, there's so much talk right now and so much effort trying to really understand how can we provide more diversity in our workplaces? How can we make sure that we're being more inclusive to everybody. Uh, And I think the thing that I see again and again is that there is this attitude of your buyer or your customer today is who they will be forever. And so there are times where they'll say, well, the reason that we have all these, you know, uh, baby boomers, you know, selling for us is because that's our buyer, but that is not necessarily true tomorrow. And so we have to really think we have to be forward thinkers here and think about how different the workplace has become in these last 18 months. How, I mean, think about what a remote workplace does for really including different types of people, people who maybe uh, aren't interested in working in a traditional office, but are happy to be a remote worker and provide a lot of value to your organization. They might be younger. They might be, you know, a different mindset, all of these things. So when we are looking at, you know, the way things are today as the standard, I think that can be very limiting. And so when we are thinking about what does the future look like? I mean, right now, I think we have five generations in the workplace in some cases. I mean, that's extraordinary. That's extraordinary. And as generation Z is entering the workplace, they are having a totally different approach to communication. They don't want, you know, even email to them is like, ah, forget it. I don't want email. I want just these, you know, quick ways to communicate. They don't see those big um, limitations really that a lot of other organ- or generations do because they think, well, let's try it, right? That's kind of their attitude. So if we can look for what will the journey for our customers be in two years, in five years, in 10 years, then you can really start backing up and thinking, okay, we, we do not have the diversity of thought, of age, of culture, of region, whatever it is to really support where we want to go as an organization. That's when you can start getting some of the buy-in that can be resistant to this. 
Um, so that's, that's one thing I would say, but I think, you know, I hope we're getting better. I hope we're getting better. I think they're right now we're at the beginning of this conversation. I think that we're going to learn and grow. And there are a lot of leaders right now who are struggling with this. And the reason they're struggling is because they've never had to have these conversations before. And so I think we have to really figure out how can we continue to have these conversations just as part of doing business, as part of growing a business and as part of just understanding that, you know, we are providing customer experiences for a much more diverse group than we used to. And not only that, but we have this vision, these aspirations of even more. And so how can we get there? Yeah, I think that's that's really well said. The reason why Scale Your Sales podcast, we have a, a, a it's not even an aim and our aspirations. We just do it. Mm-hmm. That f- we speak to 50 percent women, 20 percent ethnic minorities. And although it's rather crude, it means we get a diversity of views yep. because we very much feel that we're in a global economy, especially now when we're reaching out online and that isn't going to, the box is already out uh, yes. and it's not going to fit back at, as to what it was, you know, 2019. And, you know, most com- customers globally are diverse. So mm-hmm. we need to have a workforce that reflects that. So we need to hear a diversity of views, which is why, you know, I often ask these questions to everybody that comes on the podcast, because, you know, it's great to hear your views of how companies are, are dealing with it. And, um, you know, hopefully they'll come to the podcast to, to leverage, you know, great people like you, um, what you're saying about diversity and how we need to kind of progress going forward and the things we need to start thinking about, because it is relatively, yeah. sadly, it's still relatively new. It is. It is. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think we have to be honest about that, right? We have to say like, Hey, we're not there yet. And let's, let's do our best to take that next step. But also let's embrace the fact that this is going to take a while, that people are going to learn in some uncomfortable ways, that people are going to have missteps and we're going to, you know, stay focused on that goal. Like, let's stay focused on that world where it is global. We're all connected. You know, I think that's if we could get there, that would be amazing. And so let's focus on that and do our best to get there. Brilliant. Yeah. So what tried and tested strategy would you offer listeners to enable them to scale their sales? Well, I'm a big believer, as you know, that, you know, if you are not really focused on what happens after the sale, the the whole customer experience, the end-to-end journey, then it's really hard to make sure that you are delivering on what you're promising in sales. So I love customer journey mapping. I think it's a really powerful tool. What I say about that is it's a verb, not a noun. It's not about the actual map. It's about the process. And so if you can really get your team together, make sure you have a diversity of views, all of those things, and really understand what your customers are going through, I think that's a great way to really look for those opportunities to scale, look for opportunities to improve, and look for opportunities to not ruin your customer's day. (laughs) (laughs) So... Jeannie, if you were on a desert island on your own, what's the one thing you would take with you? Uh, gosh, I think, well, I would hope they would have Wi-Fi because I think I would bring my Kindle and just keep downloading novels. <laughs> Why? 
Uh, that's what I do to relax. Really. I try to, I read a lot of business stuff anyway, but, um, you know, I have a little kind of ritual at night and I like to read fiction and I, I like to read a variety of fiction. So I read all sorts of different things and, um, it just, it helps me learn about the world in a different way, I think. So that's what I like to do. Excellent. Excellent. So how can listeners get hold of you? Yes. Well, you can find me at our site, experienceinvestigators.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn and I have a couple of LinkedIn learning courses. Actually, two of them are about customer journey mapping. So uh, go ahead and look me up there and you can find those courses there. Brilliant. So Jeannie, thank you. Thank you so much for being a guest on Scale Your Sales podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. Loved what you said about keep innovating. Otherwise, you know, your competitors will and, and you know, have that open mind about uh, generation. So it's been a real honor. Thank you. Thank you so much, Janice. And thank you for all you do. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Scale Your Sales podcast. If you like this discussion, feel free to listen to other episodes or watch the caption show on YouTube and subscribe to future episodes. I would really appreciate it if you would leave a positive review on iTunes. Thank you.